Take your Bible, please, and go into the book of Genesis, first book of your Bible. Go into chapter number 18. Look at some things. I'm going to preach a message tonight. I know you might not like the title, but I'm going to preach on America's in the crosshairs of the judgment of God. He's in the, in the crosshairs. You know what that is, don't you? Now, I've said this for quite some time, preaching it. And, uh, brother, I've said that sometime down the road, I don't know where, but God is going to put up with this nation all he's going to put up with it. I ain't saying he's coming to that part tonight. I, we may be getting close. We may already be there. I can't tell you that. But I'm telling you tonight that America, unless she changes, and I heard people say, well, she needs to change. And I say, amen, 400 times. Amen behind it. I say that America needs to get back right with God. And uh, and, and I've, I've even talked to people in the public, and they'll say, no, I, I believe we still got to fight and change. I said, I hope you're right. And then another one comes along and said, you know what? I believe we can still have revival and get it changed. And I said, I hope you're right. Amen. And I say, the judgment of God may already come. And I hope I'm wrong. Amen. So I'm not in here to tell you what. But I will tell you here that it's going to happen if we don't get things changed. I'm talking about if God don't change it for us. And I looked at this and this is something that troubled my heart. I didn't have this message when I got up this morning, I had about a half a dozen more I've been wanting to preach. Can't get there. And God put this one out there. So we're going to look at it tonight. And I pray that God might help you. In Genesis chapter number 18, I want us to look at verse number 23. And I'm going to read the remainder of the chapter. And if you want to stand, you can. You feel like standing that long. If you don't, you can be seated. But I want to read Genesis chapter number 18, verse number 23. And the Bible said, And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? That's a good question. Verse 24, Peradventure, there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein. Uh, and the Bible said in verse 25, we're going to come back to all these verses in a minute, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. This is Abraham, the patriarch of God, having a conversation with God Almighty. This is a dangerous place for any man to be, especially when you're questioning God. Amen. See what's happening, verse 26. And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for the lack or for lack of five? 
And he said, if I find there 40 and 5, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure, there shall be 40 found there. And he said, I will not do it for 40's sake. And he said unto him, O let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak. Peradventure, there shall be 30 be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure, there shall uh, be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure, ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communion with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. You can be seated. Father, I pray tonight you'll give us divine wisdom. God, you'll touch our lips and our tongue. Lord, you'll loose our mind and our heart to speak through our mouth. God, that we might say what we need to say. May we not add anything that you'd have us uh, that, Lord, we wouldn't say or don't need to say. But I pray, God, we wouldn't hold back anything that you want us to tell. And God, I pray tonight that your will might be done. Lord, touch every heart that's here. I pray, God, you'll open our understanding. And, Lord, may we see what we need to see. And we'll give you the glory for it, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want you to take your Bible. Let's look at this just a little bit. Uh, I've heard so many people, as I've talked to, and it's easier for me to talk to people today than I believe it's ever been. Talking to them about their... Listen, people don't want to be around the bush much no more. I'm talking about unbelievers don't want to be around the bush. There's too much going on out there. They're seeing it with their own eyes. They're asking questions. They're wanting to know. And uh, so they'll say to me certain things and, and uh, they'll say things and they'll ask you questions and you've got to come in. And they'll say to me, Preacher, is the world, since it's so wicked, God has to destroy the world. God's not going to put up with the trash and the ungodliness and the wickedness. So I got to thinking about that. Uh, do you think God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for the sodomy that they had in Sodom and Gomorrah? What caused God to destroy Sodom? What's the real cause? It's a wicked city. God said they were wicked people. They were doing things that you don't even want to talk about in, in your own mind with conversation with yourself. Much less with somebody else. There was wickedness going on. And it was filled with ungodly folk. But it's not the reason that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. You may not listen to me tonight and may not hear what I'm going to tell you. You may not like it when I do tell you. But I want to tell you why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He had to. He had to because of the wickedness. He had to. But why were they so wicked? Same reason our country's so wicked. Now let's look at the base problem of Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. 
Now would you look with me in verse 23. In verse 23 it said, And Abraham, you know who Abraham was? He was a friend of God. The Bible said it was counted unto Abraham. His faithfulness was counted unto Abraham for righteousness. Did you get that word righteousness? Amen. Abraham was a righteous man. Abraham's a type of a child of God who ought to be righteous. Are you with me? I hope you're seeing where I'm going with this. And he said, And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the, what's that word? Righteous with the wicked. Notice in verse number 24, you'll find the word righteous two times in verse 24. You'll find the word righteous uh, two times in verse 25. You'll find the word righteous uh, one time in the verse 26. And you see the word righteous again in verse 28. And uh, you'll find those times seven times that God mentions the word righteous and Abraham mentions the word righteous. God destroyed the city because there was no righteousness down there. Why was there no righteousness there? Nobody wanted to walk with God. Amen. Uh, even Lot, when he went down to the Bible, said, And righteous Lot vexed his soul. He didn't have enough testimony, nor enough witness, nor enough of the power of God on him to turn the Sodomites around to look to God. He wasn't looking for God himself. You understand what I'm saying? We're missing some of this. Why we got so much, and I'm not tonight talking about sodomy, I'm not preaching on that. That's a terrible sin. God said that's an abomination. That's a message by itself. But I'm trying to tell you tonight, oh you, what are you doing tonight to stop it in America? What are you doing to try to win them to God? You said, oh they've done been turned over. How come they got turned over? Because we got turned off. Amen. People quit preaching against that long time ago. Not many preachers will cover that ground. Not many church folks will cover that ground. Amen. And you got some of you got them in your family and you don't pay much attention to it and you're accepting it like it's just that thing. You said, I'm not. Good for you. Understand what I'm saying? Amen. When my boys start walking a little sissified, brother, they got my attention and they and I got theirs. Yeah. Amen. I trained my daughter to be a girl. I taught my little boys to be boys then make men. Amen. I said, you're going to act like a man, smell like a man if you have to leave your right guard off. You're going to walk around like a sissy. That's right. Brother, I'll tell you, I believe we need some Americans tonight raising their families like that. But mama likes to raise them. You know, mama like most of the time, and I'm serious about this, I'm not being mean. I've noticed mamas like them little kids. And they like them little boys. Amen. They'll teach them boys how to wash dishes and, and be a little sissy before they'll even teach their daughters to wash dishes. 
God help! I, I got to think, coming on the road up, up here to church tonight, I was thinking about old, uh, what's his name, that fell off and broke his neck, Eli. The priest, he had two sons. Amen, Hophni and Phinehas. And you know what happened to him? And I and God reminded me of a scripture, and I don't know where it's at, but I can find it. I know what it said. Simmer. I ain't going to try to quote it because I'll miss it. But he talked to God. God talked to Eli and said, Eli, because you have put your boys or your sons before me, I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to make a big statement right here. I hope I don't make you mad to start with. I wanted to kind of wait to the end of the thing before I got this far. But I just come across this, or the Holy Spirit put it in my mind, and I didn't even know when I was coming up the road is going to get in the message. But you know what Eli done? He gave his sons the privilege of having the right place or doing things but he knew they weren't doing right. And when he knew they weren't doing right, he did not correct them. And God said, I'll cut you off. Have you ever seen these mamas? You ever seen these mothers that love their children so much? Did you know it's a sin tonight to put your child before God? If you put your child before God, I'll mark it down with you tonight in the Word of God. God will cut you off down the road. God is number one, ladies. God is number one, men. Amen. You don't put your children above God. Some of y'all, I'll tell you right now, uh, if your son or daughter done something, oh, they just can't help it. They just hogwash. It ain't right. It's wrong. It's wrong. Tell them it's wrong. Catch your kids a line. Make them confess. Amen. Straighten them out. Somebody said, Preacher, I don't like all that. I don't care. Amen. I'm the one that's got to answer for it. And it don't make no difference whether you do it or not. I'm not up here cracking a whip. I'm not making you do anything I'm telling you. But I'm going to stand before God one of these days and I don't want God to crack a whip on me and say, You didn't tell them. I believe tonight we ought to love our children. But brother, we ought not to put them out there above God, especially even above our husbands. Amen. I'm not talking about I ain't never had a husband, but I'm saying to you tonight, ladies ought not to do that. They ought to, you know, keep them in the right place. Are you with me? Now let's look a little further. The Bible said in verse number 24, of, of Genesis 18. I've, I've got a long way to go tonight. And a short time to get there, as a fellow said. One of them old songs. It said, peradventure. You know what that word peradventure is? It means there's a doubt. It means a chance or by chance or by possibility. And uh, Abraham said, peradventure, maybe there's a chance that there's 50 righteous down there. Maybe there is. And God, and he said, you wouldn't want to destroy 50 righteous people. Uh, you wouldn't want to have to, you wouldn't want to, why God, you wouldn't be the right God if you 
if you cause 50 righteous people to die because of the sin in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I honestly believe that Abraham thought there's at least 50 people down there. You would have been a bargaining with God or trying to bargain with God and you're just trying to spare a city and you got 50. Don't you know that must have been a shockeroo to Abraham when God said, I'll spare it for 50 because he knew right quick then God wasn't going to, wasn't going to spare it because he wasn't just 50 there. They wasn't at least 50 there. So in verse number 25, he said, That be far from me, from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous. You notice that word righteous? I done pointed it out. Righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Lord, that's not up to character to you. That's a little strange for you to do something like that. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And so then the Lord said in verse 26, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. If there's 50 down there, I'll spare the whole city. Abraham knew he had problems. So he keeps talking about the word peradventure is mentioned in verse number 24, mentioned in verse number Let's see, 28, it's mentioned in verse 29, it's mentioned in verse 30, it's mentioned in verse 31, it's mentioned in verse 32. And Abraham just keeps on going with it. You see that? He's trying to bargain with God. God don't bargain. Now I'm going to say, why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Because there was none righteous down there, at least not ten. Now, why wasn't he? We're looking at America tonight. Brother God hates that sin, but I'll tell you what, he despises the unrighteousness in our hearts too. God expects us washed in the blood, born again from heaven above. God wants us to be righteous. Righteous just means plainly right living. That's where we are tonight. I could spend a long time on this, but I just want to leave enough with you uh, to chew on it. I hope God wakes you up about 2 or 3 or 4 o'clock in the night and lets you chew on it. He does me a lot, and you ain't no better than I am. Amen. Yes, sir. Somebody said, I can't sleep at night, preacher. Well, I'll tell you what to do. Remit all that. Amen. I've been in this thing a long time. Tell me if I'm not telling you the truth. You get up about 1 o'clock and you can't sleep no more. You get out of the bed, go get your Bible, open it up, and start reading till you get sleepy. I'll guarantee you before you get five chapters read, you'll be dead to the world. Amen. Instead of turning on the television and watching a movie, you can get tired in that and the devil wake you up because that's where he wants to get your mind anyhow. You put your Bible out there. And I'll tell you another thing. While you're reading that Bible. And you're trying. You say I'm going to. Don't don't go read my Bible to get sleepy now. That's the wrong reason you need to read it. But I'm saying get up and say. I'm going to learn something from the word of God. 
and try to dig something out and get it. Saturate your soul. Amen. And tell the devil, I'm going to read the Word of God. And if, you don't, if he don't like it, you just read it out a little loud and read it to him. He needs to hear it too. Amen. Amen. He'll help you go to sleep to get you out of the book. So I don't believe that, preacher. I'm going from experience. Wake up at midnight. Sometimes I, 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 I try to go back to sleep and I'm laying there and I'm thinking about what I did two weeks ago, what I done yesterday, what I'm thinking about doing tomorrow, what I'm thinking about doing next month. And as I think on them things, you know what they do? They get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm thinking about getting up and putting my clothes on. Go try some of them. And I'm wide awake. But if I just get up, open my Bible and say, Devil, here I am. I'm going to read and see what God can show me. And I go to read and next thing you know, I've run, got down to a, par- a partial chapter and the Holy Spirit's helping me and I'm going to get... Snoozing, and next thing you know, I take a nap every once in a while, propped up, and I just finally shut my Bible up and go to bed. Now you try that next time. Amen. It'll help you. Praise God. The devil don't want you in the Word. Somebody said the Holy, the the devil made me read my Bible. The devil ain't never made you read your Bible. He's done everything he can to keep you from it. Blame him for the right thing. He keeps you from your Bible. Well, let me just look at something. Let me give you some things. I'll tell you some other reasons why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's why he's going to destroy America. I believe America's downhill. I believe she's going out. Amen. I'm looking at things. I've been watching some of these things and... I'll give you some of the things that's happened in the news this past week. I started doing what I started a while ago, but the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to, so I didn't. I'll give it to you before we leave. That's how the Lord told me. But listen, we're finding tonight that there's a lot of things that we don't have. One of them is we've got a lack of that de- dedication. We've got a lack of righteousness. You want me to tell you how God will turn America around? For you and me and every child of God to get righteous. Righteous is plain out right living. Which is most church folks don't care too much for. We want to live right according to our eyes. We want to live right according to what society says. We want to live right according to what somebody else has preached to us. But we don't want to live right according to what God says. If you're you're righteous in here tonight and you can classify yourself as righteous, I want to tell you right now, this book right here is prevalent in your life. And this book is precious to you. And brother, I'll tell you, there's a lot of places you can't go, a lot of things you can't do, a lot of ways you can't talk, and a lot of things that you won't get involved in. Talking to a fellow today, and he said to me, and he said, well, said, 
Uh, preacher, you need to take a vacation. I said, what's that? He said, you don't think you need to take a vacation? I said, I don't want one. I'm satisfied with what I got where I live. I ain't got nothing. And I hear church folks going to vacation. Vacation here. Vacation. They'll, I think people live for a vacation. Why don't you just bury yourself in the Word of God? And obey God in the Word. Amen. They get off a of vacation. You know what people do when they get off a of vacation? They come in sometimes and they say, how much is that vacation you just had worth today? And they say, what? I said, what's, your, what's, a, what's the price of a used up vacation? What good is it? It ain't. But two days after you get back on vacation, the first two days you're trying to recuperate. And then the third day, if it goes that long, sometimes it may take a week, but most of the time a day or two, they're already planning for next year's vacation. Or if it get two or three a year. I don't know when it's been since I had a vacation. My wife always loved a vacation. Ladies seem to like them vacations. I guess, it, and, and if you men don't like vacation, go to heaven or cook and wash and all that stuff. Make her life feel like she's got a vacation at home. Say, man, come on, ladies, I'm on your side tonight for a change. Right? But I'm telling you, I look at these things, but we got a lack of dedication. Would you take your Bible tonight and turn with me in 1 Thessalonians? Let's look at some scriptures. I'm going to give you all I can in a little short time I've got. And when I think you've had enough, I'll quit. I'm not going to look at you for a while. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Bible said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 12, right before that great scripture we read about the coming of the Lord. The Bible said in verse number 12, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, that you may have lack of nothing. Now that's a lack of dedication. If you don't have dedication tonight, you will not walk honestly. People who are righteous and people who are dedicated to God will walk righteously or walk honestly. That verse is also similar to that found in, in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 13 and verse number 13. The Bible said in Romans 13, 13, let us walk honestly. I believe every child of God in this building needs to walk honestly. Amen. You don't need to walk in a lie. You don't need to go against the truth. You need to walk honestly. If you're walking honestly tonight, you're walking in the truth. The truth is the Word of God. You're to walk honestly. You, if you're not dedicated to Christ, you won't walk honestly. You'll try to beat somebody. You'll try to uh, get ahead of God. You'll put everything ahead of God. But you notice what? I want to go back and give you something out of the Old Testament. I preach from both sides. Praise God. I can't, I can't just preach out of the New Testament. I can't just preach out of the Old Testament. And that's because the Lord puts us there. He gives us both books anyhow. Go to the book of Numbers. In the book of Numbers chapter number 7. In Numbers chapter number 7. I want us to read a verse 
in verse number 84. Numbers 7, 84. I want to show you this word and God expects that. In Numbers 7, 84, it said, This was the dedication of the altar. I believe we need to go back and dedicate our altar. It was dedicated in the Old Testament. It's different than ours today. You know what the altar was? The altar is what they offered the sacrifice on. The altar is where they cut the throat of the little lamb or the goat or the bullock or the five little animals that they used for offerings. For grace. Amen. And you know what? They took that lamb and they put it on the altar, but the altar was dedicated. Even our altar to church ought to be dedicated. It ought to be used, but it needs to be used, but it needs to be dedicated before we use it. And they, they dedicated that. Look at verse 88 in that same chapter 7. And all the oxen for the sacrifice of the peace offerings were twenty and four bullocks. Twenty-four bullocks. The rams sixty. The he goats sixty. The lambs of the first year sixty. This was the dedication of the altar after that it was anointed. They anointed it with oil and then they offered sacrifice on it and the sacrifice was for the dedication of the altar. Now God's serious when He wants us to offer an offering for the dedication of the altar. Now we don't have to do that today. We're in a day of grace and it's different. Christ has already been offered. We don't have an altar like that. He gave Himself on the altar. There was not only that, but go to Ezra chapter 6. I want to show you that God believes in dedication. Do you think you can just haphazardly walk around, talk like you want to talk, walk like you want to talk, walk, live like you want to live, and pay no attention to the things of God and not pay any attention to the house of God? You've got another thing coming. Some of you ladies and some of you men... You wonder sometimes why I'm so strict about the things of God. It's because the things of God are important. In Ezra chapter number 6 please. And verse number 16 the Bible said. And the children of Israel the priest and the Levites and the rest of the children of the captivity kept the dedication of of this house of God with joy. They not only dedicated the altar, but they dedicated the house of God. This is to be a sacred place. That's the reason you don't come in here eating and the slopping around and everything else. Amen. We come here to worship. And the house of God's dedicated. My house, I dedicated it. But it don't have the limitations that the house of God does. If you hadn't dedicated your house, you ought to dedicate it. I see people sometimes dedicate my kids. Well, that's a good thing to do, but I, you don't find that in the Word of God much. That's just a good, it's a good thing to dedicate anything you got. I dedicate my old car, 
cat and dog if I had one. Everything I got, dedicate it. It belongs to the Lord. If you can't dedicate it to the Lord, it needs to go in the dumpster. That goes from the closet to the basement. Uh oh. You got anything at your house that don't glorify God? Get rid of it. I know I'm beating air, but maybe one or two might get a hold of that. And I preach it now, and somebody else preaches it, and I preach it again after a while. Maybe the Holy Ghost will finally one of these days drive it home like a dagger. Where did I learn all this? God has done done it to me on them things. Amen. I wouldn't wear a pair of socks that God wouldn't be pleased with. Amen. That's right. You understand what I'm saying? Everything you've got Needs to be something that God is pleased with. Well, I could preach on that a while, but I'll just lay off of it. Look at verse 17. And offered at the dedication of this house of God an hundred bullocks, two hundred rams, four hundred lambs, and for a sin offering for all the all Israel, twelve he goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. You want me to tell you why our country's going to the dogs? You want me to tell you why the judgment of God's on it? Because you and I live in America and we don't care too much about God. Preacher, I love God. I know. But not enough. Preacher, I want to be righteous. But I can't take that but so far. When God goes to trimming things off of me that I like, I'm going to back off a little. When God starts telling me I can't go here and I can't go there and I can't do this and I can't do that, I'm going to say, now Lord, you and I need to have a little talk. And i got news for you. He's not going to compromise with you. I've tried that before. It don't work. Amen. He gets the last word. And if you don't do it, he'll just bring judgment. That's where America's getting in trouble tonight. She's, it's, not, it's not the White House. It's not the Democrats. It's not the ungodly. Oh, that's caused us trouble, but it's because we haven't stood. I believe there's enough Christians in America that could change the whole situation if they would stand. But they won't. You said, I believe there's enough. I've been hearing that for years. And you know what? We're getting worse. We're getting worse. We're getting worse. God said it's going to get worse. Why? Because He knew we weren't going to get better. He said, Preacher, I'm going to go home tonight thinking I'm one of the worst in the world, the way you're preaching tonight, no? Amen. We all good people. We just don't do right. Understand? Then in Nehemiah, the next book over, chapter 12 and verse 27, 
chapter 12 and verse 27 of Nehemiah. We'll look at that. And we'll see 12 and 27 says, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. Did you know all the way through the Bible God wants you to dedicate everything you got? He wants you to dedicate your firstborn. First child is special. You give that child to God. God wants you to give them all to God. But if you don't give your first one, you're not going to give the second one, the third one, and the fourth one either. But the firstborn, the first one that's born is special. Amen. Now you firstborns in here don't read into something you shouldn't be reading into. Didn't say you's better. It just says you're special. The first child that's born into the family, brother, will get your attention. It'll change your life. I touched on this a little bit Sunday to the couple that was here. I'm telling you, they're, they're special. Your firstborn child, you remember how it turned your world upside down? It changed everything. It made a difference in everything you've done. Second come along. The first one, you didn't want to step out of line nowhere, but the second one, amen, you didn't, you didn't, you turned, you didn't want the first one to get choked, but the second one, uh, you didn't pay much attention to where the dead are not because you'd done been there. You didn't want them to get choked, but you, you know, you didn't watch them like a hawk. You understand what I'm saying? First one, they, you didn't want them, you was afraid they're going to fall. You was afraid they're going to get up on something and fall off. But actually you got about three of them. Uh, one's a falling over there and one's a falling over there. And you said, all right, y'all better hang on. You're going to fall. You understand what I'm saying? It changes, don't it? So God wants you to dedicate your firstborn. God wants you to dedicate your life when you get married. God wants you to give yourself over to Him. Amen. God wants you to live for Him. God wants you to give Him the first fruits. And that goes in your family, your money, and everything. Praise God. Amen. Used to talk about tithing a lot, and I don't preach on tithing much. The reason I don't is because you get right with God. I don't have to worry about your tithing. And if you're not tithing, God's going to get it anyhow. You'll be calling the mechanic tomorrow to fix your car. He'll get you tithe. So you might as well just give it to God. He can use it a lot better and do more with it than the doctor can or the mechanic. All right. Amen. I read over in the book of Daniel that people dedicate things that sometimes are not exactly right. Let's turn over to the book of Daniel for a minute. I want to give you something here. I see people doing that. That I do it in this day, or I don't, but people do it in this day. Amen. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 2. Daniel chapter 3, verse 2. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province to come to the 
dedication of the image. Now this wasn't good. You understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of times you'll dedicate things. I never will forget me and my wife had got us a new house over here in Clarksville and I had one of the local pastors, he's dead now, but to have a cottage prayer meeting, I said, I want you to come over and dedicate our house to the Lord. And he came over and we had a little cottage prayer meeting and we were having service and he said, Brother Dills, and he got up and I didn't know hardly how to take this. He said, Brother Dills called me and wanted us to come over and have a dedication to his house. He said, I don't understand why he wants us to get a dedication to his house. He ain't going to be living any long. And I thought, well, first, rapture's going to take place. I thought, he said, because God doesn't call him to preach, he'll be a selling it for long. Getting out of here, God will put him in the ministry. Sure enough, <laughs> he did. Understand? Sometimes we dedicate things that we think, we, we just want God to have his hand on it, and it may sound good, look good. But you better make things, make sure tonight you dedicate your things to the Lord. I believe there's a lack of dedication in our churches. The Bible said in Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 6, if you want to turn there, I'll give you a little time to turn to the book of Hosea. And uh, we'll look and see what he says. Chapter 4, right after the book of Daniel, you was pretty close there. In Hosea chapter 4, verse number 6, the Bible said, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Did you know that's where America's at tonight? She has a lack of knowledge. Yep. I read today that Russia and China has joined together to make sure that twenty in 2035, I believe it's 2035, that they're going to lay claims on the moon. Anybody hear that? All right. See, I, I'm not all as so stupid as you think I am sometimes. I want I, I try to tell you these things to help you to understand that. So Hosea said, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. You want me to tell you what I've been preaching here for a long time? I'm, I'm amazed at the ignorance of the people of God. Amen. I know people in this county, and I, I don't say this about you. I believe you know more than most churches. Not all of them, but no more than most churches. But there's a lot of churches tonight, they heard what you're hearing, and for the last five years, they'd look at that and say, where in the world are you get?" Matter of fact, I go out in the public, and when I get out there, I'll say something, they say, where do you find that at? That's just in the Bible. Your preacher don't preach it? I never heard that. You understand what I'm saying? Some of the things we're preaching, people don't hear that. Either not listening, or the preacher's not preaching that, or they don't care. But God's people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And the Bible said there, down there, he said, I also, I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me. Listen, God has everything under control. They just said it. Everything's all right in the Father's house. God knows me better than I know me. God knows you better than you know you. God knows you better than your wife knows you. God knows you better than your husband knows you. You just think he knows all that. But God 
You know what? God knows the intents of your heart. God knows your thoughts before you think them. You don't have Him hoodwinked. You can't, you can't pull the wool, as the old feller said, you can't pull the wool over God's eyes. He knows you. Amen. I just keep a looking at these things. Go to Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 20, and I'm going to quit in a minute. But I'm going to give you some other things to take home and chew on. And to finish this out, and then give you things that you need to watch and see in what's happening in Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 20, the Bible says, The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. He said, What lack I yet? I've done it all. What else are they? Brother, I believe we need to do something else. I believe tonight we need to take care of of these things. And here's what the Lord said. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Amen. Quit trying to get stuff, and give it away. Praise God. God's blessed me all my life, because I give away things. That's right. Amen. Amen. Sometimes people walk by and I say, all right. And they'll hint that they need something and I've got it. And I get it. I taught my boys this. I notice they do that too. Amen. Or at least I think they do. They got me fooled for hadn't. But I'm going to tell you tonight, you give it away. I don't own nothing. Listen, you said, that's mine. Your lady said, that's mine. He said, that's his. You know, they got that little thing right up now. His, what's his is mine. And what's mine's mine. <laughs> Amen. But we're living in a day when it's his bank account and her bank account. And this is mine and that's hers. Some of y'all in you got automobiles and it's one of them's his and one of them's hers. I've lived there. I know what I'm talking about. My wife had her car, even though I paid for it, because I'd rather have my truck. <laughs> and she didn't like the truck. I understand that. Amen. And I understand those are things. I'm not in here telling you go home and get rid of his and hers and all. No, I'm just telling you tonight. That's where we are. You don't put things ahead of God. I'm telling you. So you need to do all that. Well, I'll tell you another reason that America's being judged or fixed to be judged. There's a lack of concern. There's a lack of concern for the things of God. A lack of concern for the lost people. The Bible said, uh, without a vision, people perish. So there's a lack of vision. If we don't have a vision for boys and girls and men and women are going to hell, brother, we need to get things right. There's a lack of wisdom, the Bible said in the book of James, and we ought to pray for that wisdom. That's right. Amen. We see it. Now let me just give you these things to close out with. I always try to keep up with a few little things that happens in the news, and I don't read too much into it sometimes. 
But just to let you know, did anybody see that? It's on now Habersham, but I saw it this morning before it got on now Habersham about the Georgia Guidestones. Some of y'all don't know about the Georgia Guidestones. I do. And I've mentioned them. I know you heard of them here. In Livonia, somebody, uh, Elberton, yeah, what did I say, Livonia? Elberton, yes. And uh, the, the somebody detonated something and blowed up a big portion of it today. Not all of it, but blowed it down. I seen that. And uh, first thing went through my mind is the elite probably loaded up because they didn't want uh, the first one of the things is if and it's some kind of guidestone been put there in the eighteen hundreds. Hey, I mean put there. They saying hey they they put it there so that they can in case they have a, a destruction of the world they can tell kind of what to go. And the first thing on top of it is a population of less than five hundred billion. That's right. You're right. Strange. Huh. It is strange. And guess what? I said, the elite's probably trying to hide, cover up, so that they won't let everybody know what we're doing, what they're doing. I don't know. That that could be conspiracy theory there, but I do know somebody bloated up. I read this morning where that Israel had got a bunch of satellite images of four Iranian ships that are coming in around the Red Sea patrolling because Iran is getting very serious about nuclear weapons. And it says that Russia now has demanded that Israel stop firing and cease their aggression on Syria. I said that's going to happen a few weeks ago. It's got to 38 and 39th chapter of Ezekiel takes place. Because this thing's got to escalate into Israel and Russia and China and all of them and Iran. And I've been watching for this and I've seen it today. Uh, I read today that tomorrow all the new vehicles in the European Union, not in America, are going to have, they're going to start putting black boxes in the cars to keep up with where the car is, speeding and everything so that they can control the automobiles. It'll happen there and it'll come here. I read it said at G, G7 last week, Emmanuel Macron, huh? Macron, whatever his name is, wants to wants to create a revived Roman Empire. Has anybody heard that? Well, I said that we're going to have a revived Roman Empire, and I read a couple of weeks ago that the Pope. He's talking about retiring. Somebody told me that and I looked it up and I said, yeah, that's what they say. But some of them says that's just rumored. It's not so. But he has visited some of the same places that the other retired off of. And I said, he'll have to retire. He's too dead to go through the tribulation. That's Dealsology. 
That's not Bible. I'm just telling you. I'm looking at that. I also heard today 309 mass shootings has taken place in 2022. 309 mass shootings as of July the 4th. Been a few more since then probably. And most of these mass shootings has happened in cities that are under the control of the Democrats. Anybody hear that? They say that there's an overwhelming breakdown of law and order in the land. And they're powerless and they cannot stop it. You say, what do you say about that? I say it's going to get worse. Don't look for it to change. It's going to get worse. The waves are going to roll higher. Just keep looking up. The only hope for the church is the Lord's coming. So I'd like to leave them little things with you to go home and think on. Some of you don't hurt it anyhow. But I'd like to remind you. If you think this country's in very good shape tonight, you got another thing coming. There's some good people in it. Got some good folks in it. Amen. Got some people love God in it. But I'm going to tell you, the majority does not. Amen. It's trying ours. You say, can I turn it around? You yeah, start burying your head in between your knees tonight, seeking the face of God and praying and seeking the face of the Lord. That's the only hope you've got. That's the only help I'm going to find is from the Lord. It may be too little or too late. Some point in time, God's going to say, that's enough. He's done it with Israel. He'll do it with us. It may go on a few more years. I don't know. I don't have the knowledge to tell you that. God wouldn't he, he reveal that to me or nobody else on the earth. He'll come at his appointed time. Amen. A fellow said this week in the restaurant, I said, and he said, nobody knows when the Lord's coming. I said, I do. He looked at me and he said, you don't know. The Bible said, no man knoweth the day nor the hour. I said, I know. He said, when? I said, at the appointed time. <laughs> Amen. He couldn't argue with that. Amen. Neither can you. I'll just wait on him. Praise God. All right. Do you understand that tonight? We talk about the heathens and all them running up and down the country. And the world's all tore up like it is. But let's not exempt ourselves tonight. We're not doing our part. Here's a little preacher boy tonight ain't doing all his part. Doing a little. Amen. Y'all know this little rock down here. Brother Hayden, you know a little rock down here in front of the shop down here. Reckon how long it'd take you to bust that up with a little bitty tack hammer. Yeah. Prove it. I'm trying to tell you it's like a cat. My daddy always said that's like a cat eating a grindstone. But we are one voice at a time, one prayer at a time. 
Lifting up Jesus one day at a time. Exalting Him. And trying to be righteous in all that we do. Be careful when you're out in the public. Make sure you're right. Be careful when you're not in the public. (laughs) Amen. Make sure your life counts. God bless you. You bow your head. We won't have music. Just bow your head. Father, tonight I pray you'd touch these people. Thank you, Lord, for them listening. Thank you, Father, for giving me the opportunity to tell them what you wanted me to tell them.